I woke up on Saturday morning, I looked at the Google Analytics and saw something like 500 or 600 simultaneous visitors to our website. Most employees would rather have the boss who at least tells them where they stand than the one who doesn't. You're listening to The Growth Show, a podcast that uncovers interesting stories and advice on growth from every corner of the business world. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Growth Show. I'm Kit Bodner, the CMO at HubSpot. Today, I am really excited to have Mike Toriano, CMO of Actifio, in our studio today. Mike has been a longtime leader in the Boston tech and marketing scene, and I am excited for him to share some of his wisdom with us today. We're going to dive right into the interview. All right, so Mike, you've done a whole whole bunch of different stuff in your career. You're most recently at Actifio. How did you get to Actifio? When did this journey start? Yeah, so um, a a guy I went to business school with uh, named Jamie Goldstein uh, was a partner at Northbridge Ventures, and uh, Jamie and I served on the board of the New England Venture Capital Association, and he asked me, uh, he said, you know, we got this company, and I love what they're doing. I love the team, but but I, no one understands what they do. So, <laughs> so would, you go, would you go talk to them? And I met with the founder and CEO, a guy named Ash Ashutosh, and, who I liked immediately and was incredibly smart and compelling. And I said, well, you know, give me the, explain it to me. You know, what is it? Mm-hmm. And he talked for 15 minutes, and, and I... And I, I, and when he was done, I just said, I, you know, I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> um, and um, and so he said, oh, you know, and he said, well, how about this? And I said, just explain it to me like I'm 12. Or, um, and and he walked me through this set of ideas. And the first one I didn't get. And then he said, um, well, you know, it's like it's like the way businesses create copies. And and I'm I'm happy to you know give you the the way we we talk about it today. Yeah. Um, but 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 that idea of copy data. Mm-hmm. I, I understood immediately what that was, and and my advice at the time was creating a category is hard. You know, I, Darmesh and Brian were had just finished the book, and I knew yeah. what a painful process that was. Category creation, bang so it, hard, banging it out chapter after chapter. So I, I sort of said, well, that's going to be tough, but but you can create a category, help people understand copy data as a new class of data. Mm-hmm. Then that's really um, you know has would be something that I think people can wrap their heads around and. After some back and forth trying to help them get that off the ground internally, he said, you know, you're really the guy to do this. I really need you. And I said, you know, I don't know really anything about enterprise storage. <laughs> um, and he, he said, does? yeah, he said, he said, well, we got plenty of people who understand storage. We don't have anyone who could tell the story. Um, so why don't you meet more people on the team? And I met, you know, Jim Sullivan, who's, who's our president and head of sales. And I met with some folks on the board, Bob Hauer, um, uh, Peter Levine at Andreessen Horowitz and uh, Jit Saxena uh, from the T's. I mean, just this all-star team. And, and you know, talking over with my wife, I was like, you know, this is an amazing group of people and they're chasing a really big problem. And and I know that's a formula for success. And uh, she said, well, then you got to do it, you know. And, and that's really how it happened. Did you, well, you were at like a very successful agency, like leading the charge there before Actifio, if my memory serves me. So it had to have been a difficult change. It, it was difficult. Uh, you know, that was a great adventure with, with a, you know, a couple of guys that I really respected who were my partners in that business, uh, Chris Colbert and Rob Waldeck. And, um, you know, it, it, um, you got to stay open in your life yeah. to opportunities. And, and 
Look, it's it's so hard to um, get yourself in a position where you have a great idea and a great group of people and the, the money you need to make it happen and where all those things kind of fall into line. There's there's so much luck involved, no matter how good you are, yeah. um, that uh, when those things you know happen, you gotta you gotta go do it. You gotta say yes. That's and it. So, so for yes. people out there who are listening and they're trying to figure out when to take the next step, it's like you step back, you look at the situation in front of you, and it's like if you're a yes on those factors, it's hard hard to not do it. Yeah, and and again, I do think the two most important are how good is this team and how big is the problem they're trying to solve. Everything else changes. The product changes, the mm-hmm. competitive dynamics, all that stuff evolves over time. And it involves at the speed of a startup if, if mm-hmm. you have the right people. But if you have a great group of people chasing a really big problem, you know, you do that three times and at least one of them is going to have a good outcome. Yeah. The bonus one I'd add there, if you have those two things, plus you have some type of innovation and go-to-market strategy, some better go-to-market model, if you can add that on too, then you're, you're off to the races. There you go. How hard can it be? <laughs> As we all know, incre- incredibly hard. So now everybody listening obviously wants to know, like, well, all right, Mike got to Actifio. They didn't know how to tell their story. What, what's the story now? Like, yeah. What, what, like, what, <clears throat> what, what, are the guys, what are these guys about? What did Mike actually do? Sure. So, so, talk to, talk, so the, the story really depends on the audience. And I would say for your audience, the best way to understand what Actifio does is with an analogy. Uh, you know, everybody's got a cell phone in their pocket. If you take a picture with that cell phone, you create essentially a one meg photo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, if you do that on an iPhone, PhotoStream takes that and puts one on your laptop and one on your iPad. And so now your one meg photo is consuming three megs of storage. Mm-hmm. Um, if you send that to Instagram and bounce it out to Facebook and to Twitter, now your one meg photo is consuming six megs of storage across various devices and the cloud. Uh, well, the same thing happens in an enterprise, but it's not a one meg photo. It's a 16 terabyte Oracle database. And around the world, this is a $50 billion problem for the largest enterprises uh, you know, around the globe. And there's lots of different point solutions that treat the symptoms of that problem, um, but only one that cures the disease, and that's Actifio. That is a very simplified explanation of what is, I imagine, a very deeply complicated technical solution to actually make that happen. It's it, not it an absolutely easy thing is. to do. It absolutely is. So now we know a little about you. We know a little bit about Actifio. You got so I imagine you kind of landed at Actifio several years ago, and there were, was very little to no marketing. Uh, I would imagine so. There are a lot of people in that situation that listen to this show. They're at a startup or at a scale up. They're trying to figure out, well, I need this marketing function. How do I actually build it out? Who do I hire? How do I think about it? Tell us what you did. The first thing I did, and I would recommend this to anyone coming into a new marketing job, is is I went to each of the department heads uh, who are now my partners on the exec team and I said, you know, you guys have done okay without marketing. Like, what do you need? What's the thing that you need? And um, once I understood what they needed from marketing, I had, you know, both, you know, my near-term priorities and I had the ability to create some goodwill on the part of my partners on the team. So that was really important. Um, kind of entering in that in that um, w- with that as my focus, and and I ticked through those things as quickly as I could, in terms of cranking out the deliverables. Uh, bigger picture, you know, job one was to kind of refine the high level story that I had formulated, you know, early on from the outside, and that was really about you know how do I talk to the different people who are telling the story, and and use my communication skills to polish up the way they're telling it to get down to a sort of you know a master copy of whatever that story is. And there were, in fact, you know, six narratives underway inside the company 
of different ways yep. of telling the story. And so I, I polished those up and I went to a, a trade show in Orlando and I stood at, you know, the booth and I told the story way one for an hour and, you know, watched to see if the light went off. And then way two for hour two and way three and way four and way five and way six. And by the end of that first day, I really felt like I had a narrative that worked one-on-one, face-to-face in a conversation with another human being. For me, that's the starting point of all great marketing is, is now I, how do I, I need to bottle that. And, and in the process of bottling it, translating into a set of marketing tactics, you, you in, in, invariably dilute it. Mm-hmm. I mean, no marketing is as powerful as the ability to look someone in the eye and talk to them. That's the sales, um, you know. Uh, yeah, that's the uh, hand-to-hand combat of sales, right? Exactly, exactly. I, I like to say, you know, sales and marketing, it's like a, a scalpel and a machete. <laughs> Both are useful, but neither is good at what the other does best. Yep. And so, so start with the scalpel, build a machete on the back of that. And so then it's a question of how do I translate this into a set of tactics that map to my objectives? And we iterated through a lot of different trial and error to figure out what worked and what didn't. And over time, you know, we got to a, a suite of, of, you know, corporate events and some field marketing and, uh, you know, inbound was one of the mm-hmm. things that uh, mm-hmm. we absolutely needed to put in place and, and did early on. And, um, and, and from there, we just built the team based on the need to fill in the blanks of what capabilities we, we wanted. But we were really lean and mean, I would say, for the first six months because I was still trying to figure out, you know, what it was, how to talk about it, and what tactics were going to, you know, meet the objectives that uh, that uh, my partners told me needed to be the focus. Yeah, and so you kind of added some folks in those uh, first few disciplines, the events, the field marketing, the inbound, like kind of, I think similar to probably a lot, how a lot of people listening are thinking about it. So let's take a step back. You Earlier you talked about, like, your first meeting with the, the CEO that he, you wanted him to create a category. Now you've, you've had this opportunity to create a category. How's that gone? Was it as hard as you thought? Like, t- tell people out there with maybe the, the starry, starry-eyed look about creating a category, what it's all about. It's a, it's a nightmare. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Tell us why. No, I mean, you know, it, it's, um, you have to have a frame of reference for people. Um, and uh, the hard part of creating a category isn't isn't getting people to learn whatever is new it's getting them to unlearn whatever they've been doing for the last 20 years very true um and that is that is incredibly difficult to do you have to be constantly you know going back to the frame of reference that the customer has and striking the right balance between a new way of looking at things um and advancing new ip and a new approach you have to really boil the story down to something simple, simple, and just hammer it, you know, uh, again and again and again. The reach and frequency of category creation, the hard work of it is just, you know, you become the chief repetition officer over time. <laughs> you have a handful of very simple stories, and you just tell them constantly and relentlessly, and you need that across the team. So it's a, it's a really a very high level of discipline required to, um, you know, create a category and such as you know sustained effort. So. You know, and I, I talk to entrepreneurs all the time and they're like, well, you know, we really have, you know, is there a category? No, we're creating a new category or, or who you compete with. Well, really no one, blah, blah. I'm like, well, I pity you um, <laughs> because, you know, you, you have to tell the customer, okay, it's in this box. Like, here's a box that it's in. Mm-hmm. And, and then, okay, here's how it's different from the other things in that box. And, and even if you're creating a category, you have to do that to some extent. Oh, yeah. 
you certainly have to do that with with analysts, but but um, it's all about uh, trying to focus on the business impact, on the why, as opposed to necessarily the what or the how. Yeah, how do, and how do you give the the team, the troops on the ground, the marketing salespeople, to not give up on that category story, right? I think at, at HubSpot we we created a category around inbound marketing largely, and there's definitely times in the early days where you're like, man, can we just talk like we should just not stop talking about this inbound marketing thing. We should we should just go talk about marketing automation or whatever these crazy kids over here are talking about and the market understands. How, I, do, you not, how do you not give up? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's different at different stages. I think I think in the beginning, very early on, you want to stay open to some of that feedback because mm-hmm. there's a lot of value in some of the resistance you encounter internally and externally. Um, you want to make sure objectively that you haven't fallen in love with your own idea uh, or the you know 0.8 version of that mm-hmm. idea. You want to have something that's field proven that it, that once people have absorbed the idea that they convert, right? And so you've demonstrated that there's value here. That's that's sort of phase one, and you're striking that balance between conviction and flexibility. Okay. Um, phase two is is really a matter of I would say celebrating your early wins. Like any change program, you want to really tell the stories in a powerful way of where a customer was turned or where an opportunity mutated into something that was much bigger than it would have been mm-hmm. had you been selling within the frame of a single established category. And you want to time that, I think, in the right way um, to, to, to uh, you know, maximize the impact on that individual prospect. And then having done that and gotten the deal, you want to tell the story loud and proud internally about how, look, this started off as a, you know, X uh, dollar, you know, backup opportunity, and it mutated into a 10x copy data virtualization platform story. Maybe that took two or three transactions, or it took an evolution of the customer after we proved the impact of the product mm-hmm. inside th- that account. But you want to tell those stories because there's no more powerful way to change behavior, I think. Um, and then you reach the final phase, which is you have to eliminate the non-compliant. <laughs> you know, there are just yeah. people who are just not going to get there. True. And you have to have the resolve as a business to let those people go. Um, because, you know, you, you just, you know, at the end of the day, if there are exceptions and you tolerate them over time, that sends a powerful, you know, message to the organization that when push comes to shove, you really don't believe it, you know. Mm-hmm. You have to have conviction. You have to have sufficient conviction to make difficult business decisions on the back of your new worldview. Um, and, and the organization needs to see that, I think, for it to really take root. Yeah, that conviction is what gives everybody on the team the respect and trust that you guys are really going somewhere. You got you to gotta believe, man. You got to believe. A- amen to that. So storytelling leadership, I think, has been a the theme of our conversation today. What I'd love to know is what's the best piece of leadership advice you've gotten? So as a CMO, you've, you have to lead a lot. What's, what's the best piece of advice? The best piece of advice I've ever gotten on leadership in retrospect is, um, <clears throat> so I, I'm you know, a marketing guy and I have, I have uh, certain skills, as Liam Neeson would say. And, <laughs> and I can stand up in front of a room with some very shiny slides and do the whole, you know, and make things happen. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm, you know, it's one of a very limited set of skills that I have. <laughs> so I think early in my career, I was very focused on that. That was my go-to, the dog and pony show, the big show, the PowerPoint, the room full of people and the, you know, 
murmurs and the laughters and the oohs and ahs. And, and I, I almost, I was very dependent on that in retrospect early mm-hmm. in my career, both as a marketing guy and, and then as a, as a president and CEO. And, and uh, there was a company, my, I started an agency that got bought by a larger company that went public and I became the president of that company. And um, we had brought in someone who was going to be much more involved in the business and, and he ended up sitting in on one of my things. And after he was like, came up to me and he was like, he's like, boy, you know, you are really, you know, very gifted at that. Um, which uh, you know, I said, thank you very much. He said, but, but I know a way that you could make that, you know, 10 times more effective. And I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. <laughs> and he Tell said, more. he said, you know, the key is, is that you want to make sure that there are, there are 10 people in the room who are really key to moving the room as a whole. And if you invest an extra few hours before the PowerPoint to get those people on board and go into the meeting knowing you already have their support at the time you reveal whatever the big idea is to the larger audience, you know, you're going to be dramatically more effective, dramatically more buy-in. And I was like, wow, that's really a powerful idea. And he said, you know, I really believe that leadership boils down to a series of one-on-one conversations. And, and this was a really profound insight to me, I think, as an executive, as a marketing person, because I always thought of it as the dog and pony show. Yeah. And that, that, that traditional model of leadership is the charismatic individual at the front of the room preaching the gospel, you know. But, but as, I've, as I've gotten older and more experienced, I really have come to appreciate that leadership really is a series of one-on-one conversations. And you can aggregate those. You can follow those up with larger communication to bigger audiences. But it really comes down to uh, talking with someone, looking, looking them in the eye, understanding where the leverage points are in the organization, helping them, you know, taking an idea from your own mind to theirs and, uh, you know, using that as really the way that you move a group in the direction you need to move it is a, a very powerful thing. Yeah, I, I think the one-on-one slash just micro elements of leadership are so important. It's People remember the thank you email that you send them. People remember the gift, the holding of the door. Those little things actually make a big, big difference. The handwritten note, you know, oh, yeah. it's such a powerful thing. You know, we, we're all drowning in this digital communication that an analog note to someone is just so powerful or as you say you know just just taking the time you know someone you know people are always announcing great things that happen and i I do find that that just sending a note to someone to say hey you did a really great job on this or some some reaction to it i I think people do um they really appreciate it and it has a big impact i completely agree that's awesome thanks mike appreciate your time today my pleasure yeah Thanks for listening to our show. As always, we would love to hear your feedback. Tell us what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. 